everyone and welcome to Picture the Scene podcast with me, Rachel. And me, Andrew. So guys, the time has come again for me to take you on a journey back in time and to picture the scene of the crime. But as the usual protocol, we need to get into a couple of things before uh, we get into the podcast. So um, our wonderful dedicated listeners, I need to remind you that this is a true crime podcast so listener caution is advised i totally forgot to add any trigger warnings on the last episode which i'm very sorry about but this time around you'll be pleased that there aren't any trigger warnings for me to announce but it is true true crime so it's not exactly going to be pleasant also we'd absolutely love to hear from you so please do go check out our socials instagram and facebook and leave your feedback for us in the form of messages or you can subscribe and rate us wherever it is you download your podcast from. We've had some amazing feedback lately. I'm honestly overwhelmed. So many of you keep on coming back to listen. And Andrew is too, obviously. Yes. So, yeah. So thank you. And please go and tell a friend, a family member, or even a colleague about us, because it would be epic if we continue to grow our listener base and hear more from you lovely lot. Don't you agree, Andrew? I do agree. Yes. Please cool. do. Nice. So, Andrew, how have you been since we last caught up face to face, might I add? I've been, yeah, face to face. It's been, my life's never going to be the same again, Rachel. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I've been great. Thanks. Yeah, it's just plodding along with live working, working non work stuff. But yeah, happy, yeah. happy days. What about yourself? Yeah, all good. All good. Um, yeah, I've come back, um, managed to dodge COVID. I'm going to touch wood there. Um, and yeah, all good. Just plodding along like you. Can I, I can just... I just... sorry, yeah. Rachel, I cut you off. I told you I wasn't going to cut you off and I'll cut you off. I just want to, before we get into the true crime, I just want to tell everyone who's listening that I will be at CrimeCon in, I think it's the 10th of June. So if you're going to be there and you want to say hello or you want to avoid me, just give me a bell. And I'll either tell you to come and say hello or tell you what I look like so you can pretend that you don't know who I am. Either way, just just reach out. Good shout. And unfortunately, I won't be at CrimeCon because I will be landing back from my holidays a couple of days earlier. And it was a bit nuts to be able to get down to London. So next year, I promise. And um, talking about things that are nuts, I did want to highlight how much of a logistical nightmare it was when we recorded in person. Um, and it just made me laugh when I was writing the script about how funny that technology and distance now make things so much more easier for these type of things these days. Whereas I'm sure if we just started our podcast pre-Zoom and pre all the technology advances pre-pandemic, we'd have been scratching our heads about how we'd make it work uh, remotely. But yeah. um yeah, it, I just wanted to say how nice it was being with you, Andrew, and watching you present because um, we miss out when we're doing certain things online, don't we? And uh, yeah, I've been aware that I can talk over you sometimes. And like you just said, we'd agreed to try not to uh, to do that as we recorded, but we're learning and we're, we're progressing. So it's all good and we will get we will get better at that. We will indeed. Cool. So episode 16, and I can't believe I've been invited back to write and present again. I'm pretty sure that Andrew made up some sort of timeline I'd committed to, which I don't know if I did, but it clearly worked because I've written another one. Um, and I did have a bit more fun this time around. Um, I think probably because I was less nervous. So, uh, so yeah, let's get into the script. Are you ready, Andrew? I am ready. Bring it on. 
Nice. So if it's safe for you to do so, I'd like all of you to relax, close your eyes and picture the scene. Today, we're taking you back to Thursday, the 5th of July, 2012, and the family-friendly Morgantown, a suburb of Star City, West Virginia. It had been a very hot day with temperatures reaching highs of 93 degrees Fahrenheit, approximately 33.8 degrees Celsius. And on this day, there was a light breeze in the air, enough to hear the leaves rustling along the streets and enjoy a refreshing breeze on your face. The sun set that evening at 8.51 p.m. and Skylar Annette Niece, aged 16 at the time, was busy working the evening shift at a local Wendy's. Although I can't confirm the exact time she left the fast food joint on the 5th, it was sometime between 10 and 11 p.m. that she arrived home. And upon entering the flat she shared with her mum, Mary, and dad, Dave, she hugged and kissed both parents goodnight, told them she loved them, and headed off to her bed, as was her normal routine. However, this was the last time Mary and Dave would see their only child, Skylar, alive. Well, I, I was about to say, how nice does that sound? And then I waited a moment for you to finish your sentence. And now um, it's a little bit sad because I'm never going to see her again. But you, did you say she's 16? I did, yeah. Oh, and, um, and this was in 2000, so. 2012. 2012, so a 16 year old in 2012 takes the time to tell their parents that she loves them before going to bed. Like How cute. Yeah, very. Very wholesome. It shows what type of person she was. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And... You know, obviously we'll we'll touch on it in a bit, but um, this particular case really tugs at the heartstrings, and I think it'll affect people that don't have children as well as those that do because of what transpires. Okay, shall we see them? Yeah. So at around twelve thirty a.m. on Friday the sixth of July, Skylar snuck out of her ground floor bedroom window to go meet her two friends, Rachel Schoaf and Sheila Eddy. The three were described as inseparable, with family and friends commenting that any time spent apart would still include constant contact by texts, tweets, and phone calls. Just eight years earlier, at eight years old, Skylar had met an equally energetic, fun-loving, and happy Sheila Eddy. The pair hit it off instantly, with Skylar's dad explaining that Sheila became the fourth member of the family, and it wasn't often you'd see one without the other far behind. I just want to add that from here on in, I'm referring to Sheila as Eddie, which is her surname, as I keep on wanting to say Sheila in an Aussie accent, and it's not very respectful to do that, is it? No, don't make me laugh, Rachel. No, exactly. It wasn't until their freshman year at high school that the pair met the wonderfully wild, red-headed Rachel Schoaf, and shortly after meeting, the duo became a trio, labelling themselves as the Three Musketeers. I just want to say everyone needs a red-headed, wild individual in their life. Um, I too met my best friend at high school, who was redhead, uh, red-haired, and she also, fun fact for you, had the surname Redhead. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Um, okay, so back to the story. Skylar, a straight A student with a 4.0 GPA, which I think is good, as so many articles mentioned it, can anyone tell me otherwise, had an active social life. But her friendships with Eddie and Schof were all-consuming, with a number of articles citing that she was fiercely loyal to the pair, which I can totally understand. Whilst I was writing this, I found it hard not to reflect on my own emotions and friendships at aged 15, 16. And I think that, like, parents and family members, um, or two parents and family members, friendships can sometimes seem a little 
all-consuming, overwhelming, intense, but they're your lifeblood as a teenager. And I think because Skylar had no siblings, it probably made that bond more intense in her friendship circle. Do you agree? Oh, I agree totally. Actually, without wanting to talk about myself, I'm about to talk about myself. Recently, um, well, on on uh, at Christmas time, actually, on Boxing Day, my childhood friend from when I was like that age passed away, and um, like we, you know, we keep in touch on Facebook, but not really. And I've not been like I've probably not spoken to him for twenty years, but. It got me thinking about the relationship and exactly that. It was like everything I did was with him, if that makes sense. And everything yeah. was, even when I used to like make him play Monopoly with me and I'd always cheat and always win. And he was very patient and just played it even though he knew I was cheating and winning. That but, is real friendship. Yes, it is. And it just got me thinking, it's right. And when, again, when you mentioned them being really energetic, like you, you've met me now in in yeah. person, Rachel. You know that I'm quite a slow person. <laughs> so what I really like is energetic people, be they either children or adults. And mm. I always find it's a good balance because I can almost be like the slow guy, and they can be the one that bounces around. And yeah, I can just picture, I can picture the scene to how they are. Yeah. So oh, I'm good. interested to see where this will go. Yeah, and I think that's definitely a lesson for me not to play Monopoly with you because I am very competitive and I don't like to lose. Um, so, yeah, that's one to keep up there. I try and be honest nowadays. <laughs> good, good. Let's get back to the early hours of the 6th of July. And what better way to bring in a new day than with your two best friends in the world? Oh, and a little marijuana, which is what encouraged Skylar to meet up with the pair that night because I haven't exactly told you the whole truth. In the run-up to the 5th of July, Skylar had actually fallen out with both Eddie and Shof. Now, this is proven by a couple of tweets on the teen's Twitter accounts um, that were aimed directly at the pair, and specifically her distrust in them. She was initially hesitant to join the couple, but after a number of phone calls and text messages back and forth, Nice left her home and climbed into the rear passenger seat of Eddie's four-door sedan. A short while after leaving the flat, the girls crossed the Pennsylvania state border to a town called Brave, headed towards the woods. They parked up and got out the car to smoke the marijuana. Little did Skylar know, both Eddie and Shof had been planning a murder for weeks. And armed with knives, concealed in their hoodies, they counted to three, the agreed signal to proceed, and set upon Skylar as she turned her back to collect her lighter from the back seat of the car. What? Honestly, yeah, what? Initially, an attempt was made to slit her throat, as the girls had read that this would be the fastest way to take her life. However, they were unsuccessful in their efforts, and Skylar tried to defend herself, successfully wrestling the knife from Shof's hand. Eddie then resorted to stabbing her in the back multiple times, until, according to Shof, Nisa's neck stopped making gurgling sounds. Can we just take a minute to remind ourselves that we're talking about teenagers and that was an actual police statement that she made. And I think that's just emphasised their age by the fact that she said that. And it's just madness because poor Skylar mustn't have had a clue what was going on either. Well, yeah, the, the fear, and you've also got a thing like, let's just forget about the crime for a moment. Well, not forget about it, but just park it for a second. Do you know what this shows you? Like, do you know when 
two people very close, and you see it in many true crime stories, they kind of lose grasp of what's actually reality and not. And so if they're, if they're discussing what's the best way to kill her, let's slit her throat and mm. let's have knives ready. And even it shows how childish they are by saying, let's do it on free. Mm. And it's just. Oh, it, it gets just, worse. Yeah. Okay. It, like, I'll, get, I'll get into that, but I completely agree with you at this stage when I was looking through the articles, reading, and actually watched a couple of um, uh, ABC uh, reconstructions. Um, it, it just gets worse how they behave. But uh, no, I completely agree with you. It's just awful. And, um, and yeah, like she just didn't have a clue because as I say, there'd been a couple of fights, but these were her two best friends. And they just launched on her. Okay, well. Oh, I need to know more now, Rachel. Yeah, okay. So shortly after killing her, the girls made an attempt to bury her body, but it proved too difficult to dig a grave in the woodland. So they resorted to covering the body up with nearby fallen branches, dirt and rocks, which were just scattered around. Again, <laughs> what? Yeah, it goes to show that it wasn't... It but... goes to show that they, they were fixated on the act and not the actual yeah. reality of it. Yeah, like, and it's 2012, like, you know, surely if they know that slitting their throat's going to kill her fastest, they also know that people go on random walks with mobile phones and video footage and anyone could just stumble across, like, a body that's been covered by fallen branches and leaves and dirt. It's like, it, it's pathetic. It is childish, again, like. It is, and the only thing I'd say, also dog walkers, I'm looking forward to getting a dog again, but... <laughs> I'm not looking forward to probably discovering a dead body. Um, but it's I guess the only the States is a lot bigger than the UK. Yeah. Like like a billion times bigger, and that's scientific if anyone's listening. <laughs> so it, it could be like they could have gone to somewhere where no one ever goes to, but even mm. so, it's it shows a lack of planning. Yeah, absolutely. So um the pair had um brought a kill kit with them. Um, so they returned to the car, proceeded to use the kill kit to clean themselves and the murder scene. They had some bleach, towels, and a change of clothes, which had all been packed neatly in the trunk of the sedan. They then just returned to their homes. Unfortunately, Skylar wasn't, support, uh, wasn't reported missing to police until the Friday evening. So her parents had left the house that morning. They'd assumed their daughter was still asleep. However, later on, um, in early afternoon, her dad arrived home to find her door was still closed. Upon knocking and entering, he then discovered her bed hadn't been slept in and her window was ajar. Dave suspected she was with friends and initially didn't raise the alarm. Instead, he called his wife, he called Eddie, and he called a couple of other friends to see if anyone had seen or heard from her, but no one had. She was due on a 4pm shift at Wendy's, and just after 4pm that afternoon, her manager called the house. Immediately at this point, alarm bells started ringing. Skylar had never missed work. It's reported that around 5 p.m. that evening, Eddie called back and spoke with Mary, confirming her, Skylar and Shof had snuck out the night before for a midnight drive around town. She then dropped Skylar off at the end of the street just after midnight, according to Eddie's account. Mary then became concerned that someone had abducted her daughter from the drop-off point. So at this point, Dave called the police. Now, the following series of events are super unfortunate, 
because of the circumstances, but um, an Amber Alert wasn't issued at the time Skylar went missing, as police had located CCTV footage of Skylar willingly getting into the back seat of a vehicle. And for those not unaware, an Amber Alert is issued when a child goes missing, and it's a US um, thing, and it's broadcast across radio, TV, and text um, across all states. However, there's certain criteria that must be met for an Amber Alert to be broadcast across all, um, all types of um, media um, and across all states. So number one, law enforcement must confirm that an abduction has taken place. Number two, the child in question must be at risk of serious injury or death. Number three, there must be sufficient descriptive information of the child, their captor and or the captor's vehicle to issue an alert. Number four, the child must be under 17 years of age. So I think like just to stop for a second, I don't know whether you've heard of an Amber Alert, Andrew, but yeah. I imagine because it disrupts normal viewing, um, you know, or, or even um, in a state where something quite important on the television, there'll be like a ticker warning across the television or, you know, there's obviously a certain amount of effort and energy as well that go into these alerts being issued. I kind of understand why there's that level of like checklist just to clarify that you've, you're not dealing with a teenager that always does one on a Friday afternoon and comes back home on Monday. Yeah, definitely. There has to be it for, for anything in life. There has to be a certain set of criteria, doesn't they? And, and it, it, there's always going to be people, except you go, maybe it shouldn't have happened, should have happened for that. But then, yeah, so there's always going to be exceptions. But um but yeah there's got to be a line at some point drawn and and, and let's be honest like if they witness a cctv of her willing to get into a car not being up to they didn't know who who was in the car didn't know who owned the car mm-hmm. what what really could could they have done apart from create maybe lots of false leads with people thinking they see maybe like hey what color was the car did they know the color yeah, it was like beige. So. Oh, yeah, a beige sedan. Yes. So what are they really going yeah, to get from that? And that's the thing as well. Like, we've all seen news articles, cases, parents paint a picture about their perfect child. And in reality, like, they just want the police to pay attention. That child. But I, not, I, I, you know. I'd just like to touch on, on this because, I mean, let's put the facts out straight. And she sounded like a very well-rounded girl because she was kind and considerate to her parents. She had a job, which at 16 years old in, in social media times is, is unusual as it is. She never, you said she'd never been late or missed work. And, and yeah, she was, it, it sounds like obviously, yeah, she went off to, 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 to smoke weed, but and I'm not obviously condoning any type of taking drugs, but you know, she was with her friends and that's what teenagers do. And it could also be, you said they had an argument. It could be her way of trying to get her friends back. Because when you're in such a tight group of friends, the mm. worst thing in the world is when that friendship breaks for whatever reason and you just feel alone and lost, don't you? So, And do you know what, on that point, Andrew, threes don't work. Like my daughter's five. She's got a really tight circle of friends and 
she has great one-on-one -on -one play dates. She has great like group play dates. But when there's a three, there's always a tale to tell. There's always someone left out, you know. And something that I, I've chosen not to dive into as part of this script is all the rumors of the, you know, there were a lot of high school rumors in the days post her going missing. And they're all hearsay. There's nothing confirmed. The Reddit feeds are like, oh, I I heard this. I heard that. It's all it's all tosh and I refuse to get like drawn into well I read that this was happening but you know whatever was happening in their friendship circle I completely agree with you sometimes you you do anything to win someone back to impress them to like get back in their good books you know and as well nowadays I'm again not condoning drug taking don't take drugs myself but I think weed is fairly common you know like Thing that people do the way that we probably might have tried smoking a cigarette when we were 16 like kids now just try smoking a spliff don't they yeah <laughs> my and, daughter will never will though yeah, and, and also you gotta remember as well these are 16 year old girls and just not to talk about girls here 16 year old boys are exactly the same full of hormones they're the, the way that friendship would have felt it would have been akin to similar feelings of a relationship i'm not saying that she was romantically attracted to them i just mean that same feeling is that same feeling of wanting to be with them and wanting wanting to get their attention and to please them it, it's the same at that age because mm. all the hormones are mixing and it's not a, a gender thing actually it's male or female so due to that cctv footage the police initially suspected that skylar had just run away from home now, this is despite not taking an overnight bag. She left her bedroom window open and she didn't take a phone charger, which I think is the most obvious thing. Because why would a teenager risk being without their mobile phone? Yes. And also 2012, while obviously phones were prevalent then, there was a billion and one different phone chargers, weren't it? It wasn't like one or two different types that there is nowadays. Exactly, exactly. Plus, there were no previous warning signs of anything like that happening, so the police had to wait the standard 48 hours before classifying the teen as missing. So there were no leads or information that came in from local sources, and potential sightings of the teen in other states, including New York and North Carolina, just added to the concept that, yeah, she'd gone missing. Um, or she'd run away from home, sorry. But the police had very little to go on. And over, over the next eight weeks, there wasn't much progress that was made. So the FBI and West Virginia State Police joined the search for the missing teen on the 10th of September, 2012, and immediately began interviewing Skylar's school friends. So Eddie and Shove had been acting strange ever since the disappearance. And when police probed their movements on the night of the 5th, the stories changed multiple times. Their text messages and social media messages were also closely examined and found to show no mention of their missing friend, which I just think is odd. Like, yeah. you'd mention the elephant in the room, wouldn't you? Like, OMG, have you heard any news? Even if they were not getting on with her, it'd be good riddance type thing. Yeah, or like, oh, she's probably just doing it for attention. Yeah. You know. Um. But what I will say is the net didn't appear to be closing in on them either. And the pair went on for five months as if nothing happened until Shof broke. Well, just before you carry on. So even in five months, the body wasn't found. 
Oh, so that, that shows that uh, it must have been in quite an isol- isolated place then. Yeah, and I think, like, probably something I didn't mention is, like, they went regularly to this spot to smoke weed, and I guess they did because it was so private. Um, but even so, like, you hear on the news, not daily, but very regularly, like, remote places in the ass end of nowhere, people find bodies, bones, limbs, like... I just, yeah, I'm surprised that their gamble paid off, really, in this case, and, and at least let them for five months live as if nothing had happened. Um, and I'll obviously go on to kind of explain what did happen because I've already kind of spilt the um, the information of the police statement that Shove made. But um, but yeah, when uh, when they did come to interview it, it was all because she asked them to interview her and uh she then led them to the body so yeah i don't know whether you'd call it like shoddy police work or whether you would just call it just pure dumb luck by the two teenagers um yeah well i don't know actually it could be just luck but like to live i was, I was about to ask you before when you said they lived five months of their life just as normal i'm not sure how like a conscience could do that, but so let's just let me get this right. She just out of the blue, because obviously there was no pressure on them because they weren't class, they weren't uh, suspects. She just went to the police and said, "We killed her. I'll show you where the body is." I I'm literally about to come on to that, okay. but what I will say before I do is, um, they were investigated. You know, their their phones were pinging off cell towers because it was 2012. Um, their dad so. Uh, Skylar's dad told the police they were wasting their time on Eddie and Shof at the point that their messages were being examined. Parents were interviewed a couple of times about the relationship with with Shof and Eddie, and the dad was like, you're just wasting your time. Like, she's a sister, like a sister to her. And, you know, there were all these things that were pointing towards them, but so many people were saying, there's no way. Um, But yes, I'll get on to that. the way that Shof broke. So a 911 call was made on the 28th of December from Shof's mother, requesting police support as her daughter was behaving violently towards both her and her husband. Shof was immediately taken away from the family and home and admitted to a psychiatric hospital where she was held for the next few days. And I just wanted to point out again how amazing it was to read that she was admitted almost immediately to a mental health facility. I know that it was 2012 and I know that she was clearly unwell because she just randomly killed her best friend six months earlier. But how amazing to see how well the police and mental health services worked closely together on this case and from the call from the parents. I don't really think you see this happening very often. And if I think most recently in the case of Gabby Petito, like the police were really shit in helping that poor young woman who was quite clearly the world could see on the police video camera crying out for help you know so um yeah credit where credit's due I think the police acted really quickly and to help this poor girl who um and her parents as well who were clearly in a desperate situation yeah I would I mean I don't really know the Petito case so I'm not going to comment on it but um what I would say I've noticed from like listening to probably far too much true crime is 
that is actually a lot better in the United States than it is in the UK. The UK. It is obviously there's still like you just highlighted mistakes can happen, but it's a lot easier to get someone in an in an immediate like at least tem- on a temporary basis into a facility to be assessed than it is in the UK because obviously it's it's a paid health service, isn't it? So mm. it's easy to do because there's no weight in this and there's no less bureaucracy as well. Yeah, good point, good point. So on January the 3rd, 2013, while still at the psychiatric unit, Shove requested to speak with a lawyer and law enforcement about the incident. It was then that Shove gave a full confession, incriminating both her and Eddie in the murder of Skylar. Following the confession, she took the investigators on the nearly 20-mile journey to the Pennsylvania state line and the scene of the crime. However, due to the wintry conditions, it took them over a week to locate the nearly unidentifiable body in the woods. It then took scientists a further nine weeks to officially confirm the remains located were those of Skylar Nice. Well, what about, um, there's a question here, and I don't have a clue, so if you don't know, Rachel, please zoom on. Around a third of our listeners are in the state, so maybe you can answer this question, but if she was in a mental health facility... Mm. Would that confession stand up, even if she said, I want to talk to a lawyer or the police? Would that, would she be able to say, actually, she didn't know what she was talking about? So, you're correct. And even though she did give a full confession, she was in a psychiatric unit. She was only 17 at the time. And they took everything she said down. They took her confession. Um, they then almost asked her to prove it. So, um she then went to meet Eddie and she was her house was wired. She tried to get a full confession out of Eddie. Didn't work. Um, but yes, it believe it or not, she was not arrested at that point in time. Um, Skylar's parents also weren't told about the confession. Um, the police took it upon themselves to let her go free and fully investigate the case properly and thoroughly and put both individuals under surveillance to make sure they had all the evidence they needed for convictions. Fair play. I mean, this this police force in, um, is it Star City? Yeah, West Virginia, yeah. It sounds like they, um, I want to break into a country and western song when you say that. <laughs> but the, the, but I think, sorry. I was going to say, they just sound like they're on the ball here. I guess, because, like, I do think if the FBI are involved, you're probably almost all going to be, like you know, taking it really seriously as well. I guess you would. I always think when you hear that, and I know this is complete crap, so don't pull me up on this, listeners, but I just always get the pictures in my mind where you get the FBI coming in and going, oh, no, this is our jurisdiction, or this is ours, and they just end up arguing. But I'm sure it's probably not like that in real life. They probably happily work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah I bet, I bet. Um, so this is where, this is the only paragraph that, like, Uh, It was hard to write. It baffled me um, a lot of what I was hearing and reading. um, And I think it'll just like anger everyone listening and you as well. Um, So I've just got a couple of comments from Shove's interview. So when asked in a subsequent interview why she murdered her best friend Skylar, Shove's response was, we just didn't like her. It had transpired that the pair had actually planned him murder about a month prior during science class. Wow. Yeah, just together in a class, in in a school. And actually, it, this this could this isn't on the record, 
but some people claim to have heard them discussing like the hows I don't and the think where's. That, I don't think that'd be true because if you're hearing someone planning a murder, you're not going to go, oh, I'll do nothing until it happens. Or to six yeah. months later, even after but two you were missing, you would go, yeah, I heard him say that, wouldn't you? You weren't waiting to. But you and I recorded a true crime podcast in a booth at work that had like pretty paper thin walls and no one knocked on the door and said, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, but to be fair, like most people don't understand my accent, so I, I mumble Fair quite enough. a lot. But uh, no, I, I know what you're saying. I get what you're saying, but you just think if if they would have heard her planning it, they might have gone, "Oh, they're just like they hate her and they're just talking about it." But when yes. she went missing and she's been missing for five months, maybe at some point they'd go, "You know what? Maybe they did actually do that." So I, I'm going to have to call BS on that one, but yeah. maybe it's true. Mm, you don't know, do you, with kids? Yeah. Um, so yeah, during science class, that's how they planned it. That was when the initial spark came and, and the, the, the overview, if you like. So it, during class, they planned to pick Skylar up at night, drive to a remote area and smoke marijuana. Once they were in the woods, Shove said the plan was to count to three, then stab her to death. They had chosen the night of the 5th of July because Shove was due to leave the following weekend for church camp. And wanted it over and done with before she went. So How charming. Before she went to study God's word, she wanted to um, make sure well, she killed someone. Well, just to clarify, you and I think that church camp is somewhere where, yeah, a child might go and study God's work and words. However, it's actually just another type of camp in America. And uh, you either go to like religious camp or non-religious camps or activity camps or like special focus sports camps. And so uh, I don't think she was particularly like religious. And there it's... were pictures of her all over social media in bikinis, on boats, at camp, okay. with people she knew. And her face is just, you know, she's living her best life. Um, days after she's murdered someone. What about... Um... What about? Okay, I want to ask a question, and again, I'm. I don't mean to show my ignorance here. July, is the fourth of July Independence Day? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say so. They would have probably had like a big party there, and and she she got killed on the early hours of the fifth. No, so it was the evening of the fifth. She went home. And then at half past twelve, in the early hours of the sixth, she went out in the car. So imagine that, like, on the fourth, it would have been. Yeah. And I'm not American, but they probably would have gone. Obviously, I'm not American, but but they probably would have gone, and had parties or a meal uh-huh. or something. So they would have been just celebrating, knowing, yeah, looking forward maybe to even yeah, we're going to kill her Doing the next that. day. But I just again, just to take it back to that comment because it's on the record over and done with before she went off to church camp like like how blase do you know like yeah. oh yeah I just like I wanted to complete that piece of work before I left for holiday I wanted to you know wash my car before I you know the weekend was over I wanted to kill my best friend before I went to church camp like yeah what would be the um then when what's wrong with nowadays just saying let's just not talk to them anymore yeah yes oh my god you know actually just like you know what we used to do in the old days just stop talking to people you know don't like you anymore unfriend you on facebook like yeah well like mute your 
tweets on on the feed like no drama no drama exactly exactly i don't mean when i was that age yes social media didn't exist but yeah i know how I, lucky I were we saying. how lucky were we so on the morning of march the 13th 2013 the u.s attorney's office announced the human remains found in brave pennsylvania with those of skylar niece eddie proceeded to tweet a photo montage of the pair and commented that she was devastated by the news at 6.37 a.m. on the 30th of March, 2013, Eddie also tweeted, we really did go on three. Eddie was completely unaware at the time that she was under surveillance by the FBI following Sheriff's full confession three months earlier. Well, so, so she had to go to almost like do a memorial for her and then for her own private in-joke, and probably that, or she thought was a, a friend who, who didn't say anything, we really did go on free. Wow. I, I, I'm not liking this. I'm not liking this girl at all. No, no, completely agree with you. So on the 1st of May 2013, Shof was eventually charged and pled guilty to second-degree murder. She accepted a deal with the police for her cooperation. Later that day, Eddie was then arrested while she was out for lunch with her mum and she was charged with first-degree murder. Unfortunately for Skylar's parents, Eddie pled not guilty in September 2013 and a trial date was set for January 2014. However, clearly aware that the prosecution had built a solid case against the now 18-year-old, she finally changed her plea to guilty of first-degree murder just one week before the trial was due to commence. And I think that is just showing how she enjoys playing out, you know, the story and, you know, she's playing with the parents' emotions. This is, this is a girl that knew those parents for eight years, had a key to their front door, like, you know, was fed and watered and nurtured by two sets of parents, her own and Skylar's. And she was putting them through that for the next like four, five months until eventually she said, yeah, I'm guilty, a week before the case. You've got to think two things. Firstly, I'm willing to bet before she was arrested, obviously, that her parents, not her parents, but Skylar's parents, mm. probably sought some sort of comfort with her because they were best friend and probably had conversations about her as, you know, like, you know, like sort of, do you remember when she did that? And do you remember when she did that? And 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 she would you would automatically gone towards a best friend, like you said. So she, they were dissuading the police from saying no. They're definitely not got any part of it because they're too close. So they would have done that. And, and it's and a question for you, Rachel, because you seem to know these things more than me. Um, in the in the UK, if you commit a crime as a minor, but you're tried when you're an adult, you're tried as an adult not as a minor, even though he committed a crime as a minor. Is that the same in the, in the US? So the judge has the option in these cases anyway. I don't know whether it's standard law and I'm happy to be told uh, otherwise, but I did watch the sentencing reviews on YouTube. They're both available. And um, the judge had the opportunity because both defense cases put forward the fact that the crime was committed when they were, um, what's the word? Minus. When they were minors, yeah. Um, could they have custody sentences that reflected that? Um, 
but they were both sentenced as adults um and probably i don't want to like this is absolutely not fact this is just me like filling in the gaps here but that's probably because they played it out for so long you know it's two years after um or like 18 19 months after that um you know they eventually kind of it all kind of came out and and they they got to court so you know they were adult enough to keep the secret and they were adult enough to behave the way they did and just wanted to kind of touch on something you you said there about eddie and her parents seeking solace in her her parents actually asked her to help um put flyers in the neighborhood when um skylar was considered missing and she also participated in the searches and you know the candlelit vigils and there were tweets and you know messages of uh worry and upset and all that stuff like she kept up such an act you know so for a 17 year old 18 at the time at the time of sentencing you should be tried as an adult because you damn well put on a great performance as an adult you know your behavior is not of a naive minor yeah no i i agree with you i was just i wasn't quite sure how it works mm, yeah so yeah so the so the defense put forward the request but uh, the judge denied um so both shof and eddie were handed hefty sentences by the judge presiding over the case shof to serve 30 years so um if you recall shof was the one who cooperated so she was to serve 30 years with the possibility of parole after 10 and Eddie was to serve life with the possibility of parole after 15. Unbelievably, Shof is due up for parole in 2024, which feels like hardly any time served for such an awful crime. And I can't begin to imagine how Skylar's family must be feeling about the prospect of their daughter's killer walking free and living out the rest of her life as a free woman by the age of 27. How, like, how's that fair? I know, I, I was trying to figure that out there in my head, and I'm glad you said it. But um, but one thing, again, I do like about the US justice system, I'll be perfectly honest, I don't like most things about the US justice system, but um, <laughs> sorry for our listeners, I just think sometimes it's a bit harsh and it can be a little bit biased. Um, but um, one thing I do like is they take into consideration at parole hearings the feelings and the thoughts of the victim's family a lot more mm-hmm. than they do in the UK. The UK is almost like it's paying lip service to them, but in 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 the states here, yeah, they, they pay a lot more attention to it. Even at the sentencing, actually, they can get up and speak, can't they? But but yeah. So I was about to say that, and I will include links to the sentencing. Um, they're not great videos, but the content makes a quite interesting hearing because you're exactly right. Shof chose to um, speak out in a statement to the parents of Skylar and Skylar's dad basically called bullshit um in the courtroom and all that like so yeah you're exactly right they do pay respect to the parents of the victim and um and sentencing yeah I'd, the sentences themselves harsh fair um the parole ugh, doesn't sit well with me like and I get it it's up to a board but these girls can behave how they want to behave, you know, and you'll see pictures of them as well. Again, Andrew, I've got some pictures for you to share on the socials. They're, they're smiling in their uh, mugshots, smiling. Well, there you go then. Just whilst um, whilst we're on the recording and appreciate people won't be able to see this at home. 
but hopefully Andrew you can see the pictures and yeah there's like smirks right no actually I think that is oh no I thought that was a work document no yes <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah so and that's almost just like the posing for a photograph oh, and yeah. this is when they're being arrested so it's they must no, be so confident so these were these were taken when they were transferred to prison so these oh, were so, oh so moved. this is after they've been convicted yeah yeah so they so, um, told that they're gonna get do you know what they're probably smart i don't understand that because they're probably um maybe they're thinking that that parole thing after 10 and 15 years for for murder in the state seems quite low but um but but yeah, that's really odd that this. I just saw the actually said that I saw the prison thing, but yeah, it's really weird that it is. It is, and so I thought like they were quite appropriate photos to share. Um, instead of doing the three girls together in a lot of what is available on the internet, you know, this isn't a story about those three girls. It's a story about two evil people killing one beautiful person. So yeah, I definitely didn't want to like publish a photo of the three of them all acting like perfect yeah. so I did I did want to um mention a little positive note so Skylar's law has since been introduced and updates have been made to West Virginia's amber plan and this means that the states the state of West Virginia issues immediate public announcements when any child is reported missing and in danger whether or not the child is believed to have been kidnapped now I know this doesn't make up in any way shape or form for the awful tragedy and it won't bring Skylar back but I do believe that these positive movements are made when changes to the system are made following the impact of a case. And it leaves hope that one life and hopefully more will be saved in future because of the awful tragedy that came before. I agree completely. No, I agree completely. I always think that I don't agree with um, vigilante justice. So I always say like if changes need to make, they should be made properly. And so, so that's good. I mean, and Skyler was, Unfortunately, even if this would have been in place, she was already dead. I know. I so, know. so it wouldn't have helped her anyway. So the fact that it's going to help people in the future, children in the future, mm. it's it's a it's a big plus. She, at least those I really hate might, this. Those kids, uh, those girls might have been interviewed sooner. You know, their, their movements might have been tracked within the forty eight hours. That's a very they good might point. have. Um, you know, been able to ping their cell phones sooner, build a picture, find Skylar and put the parents out of the six months of misery of not knowing though. And yeah, like, no, I get it, point. she had died, but the pain and suffering that must've been felt afterwards, not being able to rest her, lay her to rest. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Um, I, I take that back then. I, I agree. You're, you're right, Rachel. I wasn't thinking. No, no, no. Um, I, I think sometimes you can get wrapped up in the fact that it wouldn't have saved her life, but yeah, there's another small silver lining. But I think as well, there was something really wholesome that I read and I wanted to share with everyone because I wanted to end the pod on a really positive note, well, as best you can when you're dealing with true crime and death. But in the aftermath of Skylar's death, Dave and Mary, Skylar's parents, created Skylar's Promise. Now, this is the foundation with the aim to help others and keep her memory alive through sharing her story. The parents regularly visit schools and prisons across the state, where they talk about how all actions have consequences, and they also preach positivity. How lovely is that? Yeah, that, that is good. It's, it's, and it's not only God, 
I just think it shows you the the quality of the person that they can they can try and take some positivity from such a horrible act that's 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 happened to them. It's um yeah, I, I, that is good and and it it would probably show you the. I mean, I think we at the very beginning of the episode you don't get often anyway good children coming from bad parents. So it shows that there was obviously good parents with how she behaved and acted and and was. So it, it yeah, it's good that and it gives them focus and it gives them something to continue with. Was she an only child? Yeah. Oh, that's terrible then. Oh. Yeah, because yeah, that's yes. terrible. But at least that's a, that's a positive. That's a positive note. Yeah. Yeah. So, what did you think about the episode then? Do you know what, Rachel? I quite enjoyed that. I probably need High to qualify, I probably need to qualify that statement because it sounds like I don't I wasn't planning to enjoy it. But that, that's not what I meant. What I mean was like I knew the story anyway. Mm-hmm. I told you that beforehand. Mm-hmm. But I like the way you told it because when you started telling it, I forgot not I didn't forget that I knew the story, but I was engrossed in what you were saying. Yeah. And and yeah, it still felt like it was. It's good to talk about these things sometimes. I spent so long of my true crime f- fanness just talking to myself about these things. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it, Rachel. It was. I enjoyed the way you told it. I didn't enjoy the way these two girls uh, acted and behaved. It just seems. Mm. I don't know. I'm getting old when I see like people nowadays. But people nowadays, Rachel, it's. <laughs> it's I was not as say. Essay when I was a kid, but God, you wouldn't have done that though. No, I don't think I could have killed someone. And just for context, guys, I surprised Andrew with the script. Um, so he hadn't read it, he didn't know about the case. And then last night, I said to him, "Oh, let me just tell you her name because I've I've gone down a different route and we're doing an American case, which I know has been covered by a couple of podcasts in America, but I don't think it's really well known over here." And Andrew went, "Yeah, I know the case." Yeah, I've listened to about 12 pods. So I was, it was quite a risk when we started today. I'm thinking, oh goodness, he's not read my script. He's probably thinking, what's she going to tell me? I haven't heard before kind of thing. So no, that is high praise. Thank you. So I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed writing the episode. And I think knowing that I was capable of presenting gave me a little more confidence this time. Um, But yeah, keep the feedback coming. Andrew and and all of our listeners because be be lovely um to hear your thoughts on this case and on the show but for one last time today I'd like all of you to relax close your eyes and picture the scene you're 16 surrounded by your loving family and close friends and excelling at school life is pretty sweet until your best friends claim they don't like you anymore and you think your whole world has been turned upside down but you have no clue how much more worse it's about to get. Okay, thank you. That was great. And before we disappear and say goodbye, and I hadn't told Rachel I want to do this, but there's a pod, if you remember episode seven, I believe it was, which is, by the way, my favourite episode and also our least listened episode. So hint, hint, if you've not listened to it, go and listen to it. Um, I think it was episode seven. Uh, the one with the lady who was killed by the police. Do you remember? Oh, I, do you remember? I, I said yeah, it was inspired by 
a podcast called Murder on My Street. I do, yeah. And I, I listen to that podcast. It's it's uh, two lovely ladies. I'm terrible with names. I believe it's Dee Dee and Jeannie. But if I've got your names wrong, they're probably not listening this like, this long in the pod anyway. But I apologise. But I'm glad you finished on positiveness because when at the end of their pod, they've started this new feature, which I'm not going to copy. But if you do listen to them, listen to the entire pod because they read a review of some random thing. Uh, and like the last time they read like a five star review that someone had left of a prison. <laughs> and, and they said like if you're gonna leave us a review, leave it like this and then they read it. And like so it. I, I recommend if you do listen to them, good, great. Listen to it all the way through to the end because you will be laughing. And if you don't, why not give them a go? They're gonna yeah. be um they said, and I hope this isn't um a false promise, but they said we're gonna have to figure out the time difference and get us on their pod. Yeah. So I so I I mean it may be a few weeks, but hopefully that will happen at some point in the future because I do love the pod. So yeah, anyway, I just say like listen if you do listen to them, listen more if you and if you don't, why not give them a go? Yeah, give them a go. And also rate us five stars as well, like you know why not? Or even four and a half. I accept four and a half, half Rachel. <laughs> Um, cool. Yep. We'll okay, so, uh, we'll say good night there. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Cheers, guys. Bye. Right. So, thank you, Rachel. I enjoyed it. I think we enjoyed it. I think we. I, I-